And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Your readings, and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike Trott is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte, skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Uh, now part of the Athletic Baseball Show. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. And I'm joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former leaguer, <laughs> distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. So, Doug, I'm sitting here in the Starkville Western White House here in San Diego. <laughs> uh, the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, he's sitting here. I don't see you anyway. Uh, where the heck are you? you anybody seen Glanville uh, around here? I'm, you know, I'm probably in uh, development of an app I call Uber Dad, where I just drive. I, I don't know where I'm going. It's somewhere uh -huh. between gymnastics, bowling, golf, swimming, tennis, uh, robotics clubs. I, I'm not sure, actually. But it starts, <laughs> it starts around 2 o'clock, and uh, it ends in about 18 to 25 years. I see. It sounds hectic, Uh I'm going to guess it's yeah. probably not as hectic as what I've been up to <laughs> the last few years. But I, I just wanted to observe to you that everyone in baseball who is anyone is here. <laughs> okay. So if you're not here, what should we glean from that? Uh, well, you could glean that I was psychic and I was in San Diego for two weeks in October. And uh, so I got ahead of the curve and got my fill of San Diego. And therefore I can anticipate what's about to happen uh, things like Aaron Judge signing, I, I think I predicted that. I predicted Aaron Judge would sign. And you did, you did that just by visiting San Diego in October. Yes, I just put my I put my hands down on the San Diego uh, streets and I just felt the vibe. And I predicted Aaron Judge would sign as a free agent this offseason. Right, so you thought he was actually employable? It's really um, it's amazing the extrasensory mm -hmm. abilities that you have. Uh, it's yeah. I'm sure it comes in handy. Um, Okay, so we're going to talk about Aaron Judge. But first, I just want to give you a, a feel for the kind of things that you miss by not being in attendance <laughs> at the winter meetings. Um, I'm not staying in this sprawling Manchester Hyatt Hotel where the winter meetings are taking place because all of us from The Athletic are staying about 15, 20-minute walk away. So the other night, uh, I started walking back to the hotel and who should I run into but your friend, Dusty Baker? <laughs> and so we stopped. We had a little chat. And I said, so, Dusty, 
Have you heard from literally everyone in the world who you know who is happy for you? And he said, oh, man. He said, right now, I am 327 text messages behind that I still have to return. And I said, how many did you start with? He said, 1,500. <laughs> so he's gone from 1,500 text messages of congratulations down to about 300. Um, I don't know if you're on the list, Glanville. I'm not on the list. I, I chose not to text him because I saw him in person. What do you want? But um, don't you feel like you're missing out on something that you don't get these little interactions oh. with the like of Dusty Baker? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would love to go. I really hadn't been. I went to Nashville one year. Uh, I was on a panel with Scott Boris, but yeah. I really hadn't been to the winter meetings and, and I, I should go. Uh, it's usually like the, the the crazy, the holidays, the kids, and just start to like everything <laughs> well blows up. And like, and this was my first like full sleep deprivation playoff run that I had, where I worked like beginning to end. Yeah. And then it was very hard to say to my wife like right after that, like, "Hey, I'm gonna go back to San Diego." <laughs> so I was like, uh, "Let me just stay home for a little bit here, and uh, you know, have my own winter meetings." Uh, it's funny. I was able to say to my wife. Uh, I know I just left San Diego, but I'm going to go to San Diego. It's, that's, it's kind of just what we do. It's funny thing about that. But it, anyway, uh, uh, enough of that. Um, I know that just because you're not personally attending the winter meetings does not mean you're not following the winter meetings. And it's just in a lot has been happening here at the winter meetings. And so uh, in, in a few minutes, uh, I'm going to talk to our special guest this week, Mark DeRosa of MLB Network about some of that stuff. But uh, for right now, I would love to talk to you about that stuff. And you mentioned that you knew Aaron Judge might sign. Uh, he signed, man. Uh, $360 million for nine years from that team we know as the New York Yankees. Uh, I, I just thought it would be fun to give you this little tidbit. According to Baseball Reference, you earned a little over $11.5 million in your excellent Big, big league career, which lasted, what, nine seasons, right? Uh, yep. I just thought you would be interested in that Aaron Judge will earn $13.3 million every two months. Doug, you have any <laughs> thoughts about that? <laughs> I'm not mad at him. <laughs> Do your not, thing, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he did it. Um, look, honestly, it doesn't make a lot of rational sense for a team to be paying any player $40 million a year at age 39, which is what the Yankees will now be doing, depending on how this is structured. But also, this is Aaron Judge, and this is the New York Yankees. So uh, in the end, was this the right outcome, even at this guy's salary and potential age at the end of this deal? Yes, it was the right outcome, uh, you know, even from baseball standpoint. You have an iconic player that has a record-setting season in New York, handles New York as well as anybody, and you know one of the more popular player that transcends rivalries. And I mean, he's just that guy, and he's a centerpiece. And uh, New York just is a good fit, and it's proven because he performed well. I mean, it's hard to do that in those kinds of markets that there's a you know high-level pressure, no matter where you are, but particularly in New York. I, I think the fact that he bet on himself kind of gave him the confidence, like all right, I'm going to do this in New York where everything's on the line for one season. And just accomplishing that says to your, you know, it says to yourself, I can, I can play anywhere. I can play literally anywhere and under any kind of pressure. So he played 
and backed it up. And look, they talk about him betting on himself, but you don't always win those bets. All right. There's a, a lot of times like I got, you know, like you said, smaller scale, but I signed, you know, I left to what, go to Texas after Philadelphia in 2002 and going into 2003. And, you know, when I, I got traded at the trade deadline and I remember John Hart said to me, why don't you guess where we traded you? One of those, he said, it's one of your former teams. So I kept thinking, <laughs> wait a minute, I turned down more money and more years in Philly to go to Texas. And then I never thought, oh, wait a minute, they could actually trade me to Philly. <laughs> and like, so that was betting on myself that would have completely imploded in the in my face. So, Good you know, point. it doesn't always work out. And and he he executed so well and and just showed like how true pro he is. So yeah, that's what happened. And the Yankees had to pay tenfold because of it. Like they they had a nine chance fold. to sign him. Yeah, <laughs> ninefold. And yeah, it turned again, out and yeah. As it turned see, it turned out you made a big mistake when you bet on yourself. You forgot to hit sixty two umbers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you see, that would have worked out singles. a lot better that's for you, I think. Singles. Yeah, I mean it was like it's, they don't so have we learned that we do not pay singles hitters at quite the same clip yeah. as guys who hit 62 homers. I think you yeah, should probably doesn't... file that away for your next life. Yeah. Yeah. So my bet was, you know, I don't think they were sweating my bet. And, you know, I did get to hoist up my uniform when I signed with Texas. I had a press conference. So that was very exhilarating. And, uh, and that was it, but uh, that was all the glory Great. I got. Uh huh. All right. Well, let me ask you about another one of your former teams, uh, the Phillies. Uh, I think you probably heard about this. The Phillies agreed to sign Trey Turner for 11 years and $300 million, man. 11 years. Uh, they're taking a lot of grief about the 11 years. They like the 11 years. Uh, <laughs> they don't mind that it's 11 years because it's holding down the average annual value of the deal. So when the, when the Yankees are paying Aaron Judge $40 million a year, at age 39, Phillies won't be feeling the pain quite as heavily by paying Trey Turner uh, $27 million a year at age 39, or Bryce Harper uh, $25 million at age 39. That's the method to their madness. But I just wonder what you think of that deal and what the Phillies have done. Also signed Taiwan Walker. Um, that was, let's see, 72 for four years. And Matt Strom, left-handed reliever, $15 million for two years. Well, look, I, I had the pleasure of covering Trey Turner a lot this season. And, you know, you know, I love to get in the weeds when I'm researching for these games I'm calling. And what was cool about Turner and Judge, really, is I couldn't really find a scenario where I do all my matchup stuff where Trey Turner was anywhere even close to average. This guy was exceptional. I mean, lefties, Many things. righties, home, away, First half, second half, late innings, early innings, runners in scoring position, every single category, this guy was Trey Turner at his best. That's the type of year he had. It was, it's kind of quiet, but you forget this guy has power. He's unbelievably fast. He steals bases. I mean, this guy is one of the best players in the game and quietly just under the radar. I mean, he may not be a gold gloves shortstop, but he gets to everything. And I just, think he just was going to have his day and and he kind of bet on himself too he knew that his game is swinging and he, he'll chase a little bit out of the zone but he's a hit machine he chases those hits and he gets them so I, I i think he's just a phenomenal player and and the phillies got one of the best shortstops in the game that's going to add speed to their game which they already have 
And they're going to, I think that's going to make them even more interesting because you have Schwarber guys that hit the ball in the ballpark. And I have some guys that can run you out of the stadium and that, that makes their offense fun. So yeah, they got to catch the ball and yes, they have to pitch, but I think they have enough to get back to where they were this year. Uh, they're going for it. Um, Dave Dombrowski believes you win with stars. <laughs> He's very good at collecting stars. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote this in the piece I wrote about uh, what, where they're going with their payroll is, you know, they don't have players who are just famous for being famous. They have stars who are difference makers, who are team changers, guys you win with. Uh, I don't know if, if how well it's going to age with all of these players, but I, think about their payroll. Like <laughs> there's always a price to pay. They don't care about yeah. the price because they see this as their window to win. They're willing to go. It looks like they're going to blow through now two tax thresholds. They'll go over the $253 million second threshold. Uh, obviously, the sense everybody gets is they don't care. But I just wonder how you look at what they're doing as a whole. Is this what you should do when you think you're in your window to win? Yeah, you should. I mean, and it's also just practical. And Dave Dombrowski is practical. You know, the, the way he's approached things is, you know, you have to think about like you're in office. And I'm not saying this creates the best public policy, but you have a two term or four terms, four years. That's it. You know, you're done. So you have to be productive in that window. So what what's the incentive for Dave Dombrowski to like, let me wait a couple of years. You wait, you're fired. You're gone. And you get hired <laughs> to get you get hired to get fired. So if if you have the green light to go and spend, you spend and you, you're aggressive. And then someone else's problem in 11 years when, you know, I'm the GM of the Phillies or something. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, it's Trey Turner, but he's hitting 105 right here. And it doesn't matter. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and I remember Buck Showalter, who's always hilarious, was talking to Chris Davis at one point after he, he had his deal. And he's like, Chris, you know, I just want to know what you do with this money because, you know, it's like, I think at the time he's like, I make a million a year and I, I don't even know where to spend it. I'm like buying unnecessary Christmas trees, but you, you're making 30 <laughs> times this. It's like, what, what, what do you do? You know, so it's, it's also the perspective of like, it's a lot of money. It is a lot. You'll never spend it in your lifetime. And, um, and it, you know, you're set, your grandkids are set. <clears throat> you know, you just want to play ball. And excuse me, and I don't think it's going to age well from the standpoint of the players are going to age. And at 39, 40, Aaron Judge is not going to be this player. Uh, and, and that's just the way they're structured. But the, the owners have to make those decisions because they're really front-loading in terms of their best years. And at the end, you might have Albert Pujols, who, by the way, had a great year at the end and did something great for baseball. Uh, we also have to keep in mind Aaron Judge, whatever he's paid, you can't even quantify what he means to the Yankees marketing, uh, you know, around the stadium endorsements. It's like Deion Sanders right. or whatever. Like you just, you can't know. So uh, I don't think they're going to regret that deal, even if he's hitting 230 the last couple of years of this deal. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of the cost of doing business. If, you, if you're the Yankees, if you're the Phillies, uh, it's, it's just kind of what you need to do uh, to win. And to, to compete and to get those star players. And is there a cost? There's always a cost. There's always a time when you wish, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But if you win, nobody looks back on it. Uh, let, let's move on. I want to ask you about the Mets. The Mets signed Justin Verlander, 
It's about to turn 40 years old. For two years, $86.6 million. Doug, did you know that's exactly the same salary as Max Scherzer? Exactly. Uh, does that feel like a coincidence to you? <laughs> well, they were like tied, tied at the hip back in the day, right? The, the Tigers. Um, no, no coincidence. Uh, yeah, and it's it's astronomical money for guys that are older. The thing that's interesting to me, like from the business standpoint, I'm thinking, you know, wearing my MLBPA hat for a second, is when you're digging into these numbers about, you know, salaries, you're wondering, okay, well, starters go shorter into games than ever, right? I mean, they're going five innings, six innings, maybe seven if you're Verlander. That's it. And and yet they're more valuable than any when you talk about their salaries. They're more valuable than ever. And I find that interesting because you think, okay, if I diminish the the role of the starter, I don't have to pay these guys. you know. And it has not followed. It's actually going the other way. And I'm very curious about why that is, uh, you know, because if there's a savings to argue, you say, well, you don't, I don't want you to get a decision in this game. You're going five innings and you're gone. And now I need to rely on the back end of the bullpen. They're still paying these guys. So I'm wondering about that. And I'm curious well, your thoughts that, on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, look, this is a fascinating trend in the sport is um, the value of the great starting pitcher used to be, hey, if, when this guy pitches, when Justin Verlander pitches, I'm, I don't have to use six relievers tonight. Now, uh, these, these players are being paid – Premium dollars, historic dollars, and yet not being asked to, prov- to promise the volume that used to go with it. And it's a really fascinating trend. And it, it, okay, it brings into focus that last thing I wanted to ask you about of all the transactions here. And that is the Mets made a choice not to match what the Rangers offered to Jacob DeGrom. Correct. Uh, five years, $175 million, 37 a year times five. Uh, instead, they paid a guy who is going to pitch at 40, Justin Verlander, more than $43 million a year. Did they make the right choice? The guy who's 40 versus the guy who's 35. That's a tough one. I, I the concern. I, I, DeGrom, I don't think it's that tough. I actually think well, they made the right choice. The guy who's well, at forty is a better bet to to fulfill what they're paying for than the guy who's thirty five. Don't you think? Well, it's the injury factor, and and look, the 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 league and the games and the owners, everybody knows. Like you get Tommy John, like you're like bionic man now. <laughs> so so it's like okay, you're back, and he's shown that he bounced back very well. And it's also two years, you know, the whatever vesting third year thing, but it's two years. DeGrom, five years, who's already shown a history of breaking down and, you know, problems with, you know, in terms of like what his health is going to be, you don't know. So I think that that's the problem. Like he, can he go five years and then will he even be healthy in the first two? I think Verlander, good shot, he could be healthy in the first two. And then you don't have him anymore. You don't really have to pay him. But DeGrom, if he's not healthy one of the two years or part of one of the years, you still have three more years to pay this guy. So I just think it's to me it's a health thing, whether that 35 versus 40. And um, and even though like in, in any given moment, he's going to be the best pitcher on earth. But are you going to get that best best pitcher on earth every fifth day, every sixth grade, or every other month? You just well, don't know. Um, what's the biggest – and best predictor 
of future health. I, I would say it's past health. <laughs> Where, where's the evidence of past health in Jacob deGrom's case? I, I would love to say, you know, just funny stuff happened, but it's, it's not like it's one, in, one thing or two things. It, it, this guy says 20 different health issues, it feels like, that have made him say, I can't go tonight. I feel something. Uh, and f- five years at $37 million a year, how many – what's the over-under on total starts the Rangers get from Jacob DeGrom for the next five years? This has been my fun little winter meeting survey exercise. Yeah. What, what uh, do you well, – what, what, is it – go, what, 30 starts a year, and he gives it'll you two-thirds of that. Right. right. Well, it's going to be – I'll take so, the under on that. So two, So five times 30 would be 150. Two-thirds of that would be 100. If he yes. makes half his starts, that's 75. If it's 10 starts a year, that's 50. So 50, 75, 100. What's the over under, Doug? Wow. Um, I, th- I think it's, I mean, I'll give him, I'll give him two thirds. I'll give him two thirds. I think he, I think he does okay so think, the first couple of years. You think it's 100. You think he, you think he makes 100 starts in the next five years. Right. I'll yeah. go under on I mean, that. Okay. Let's yeah. write, somebody write this down. Tim, write this down. I'm taking <laughs> okay. the under on 100 starts for, for uh, Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Well, I, I, what I'm betting on is that he's got a new life. And yes, I know you can't, the past health, but I think he steps it up and finds a way, like like Aaron Judge. Like, okay, he, he was so. hurt a lot. And I think, yeah, well, the game's rooting for it. I mean, this, sports uh, better I, when Jacob is DeGrom's on the mound, man. Amazing. It's, the sport's a more interesting, sure. entertaining place. And the, the Rangers will be a really compelling team, if you're right. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I'm right, well, we, we got to we, we got to do a Twitter poll on this. This is a fun one, actually. <laughs> yeah. How many starts over under? Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, it's funny. I, I, I saw Bruce Bochy the other day, and I said to him, "You know, you've managed great pitchers before, but Tim Lincecum won two Cy Youngs, and he was done at 32. Matt Cain was great; he was done at 32. Madison Bumgarner's last season with an ERA better than league average was age 29. What makes you think that this guy?" will age differently, age better than those guys. And look, they're betting on greatness. They're betting on talent. If you're, if you're going to gamble, gamble on the guy with the most talent. Uh, super athletic and did start pitching late in life, but I will still take the under. Uh, we'll see. For, so for the Starkville winter meeting special in <laughs> 2027, we'll see who won. Okay, who won won this bet? Uh, I just know this week has been wild, man. Uh, This is what the winter meetings is supposed to be. So uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to Mark DeRosa coming up here momentarily. Doug will be back in a few minutes to spin some tales from the dugout. In the meantime, we're going to do our thing live from San Diego. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It is time to welcome in this week's very special guest star. Uh, you should know there's not an actual law of Starkville that says I have to be joined by somebody who went to Penn. <laughs> but, but, but it does seem like it, <laughs> and it should be, because we're really in the presence of Penn alumni greatness once again. Uh, we've got the manager of Team USA in the World Baseball Classic and the best analyst in the business oh, of our sport, go. Mark DeRosa of MLB Network and MLB Central fame. Let's go. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we should start by telling people, what's your life like at the winter meetings? Is there any chance you worked in, like, hitting golf balls or surfing? Or I, you, like know, you know, it's funny. I did. Yeah. I, I played golf with, and I got a chance, and it was awesome to play with Will Smith, the catcher at the Dodgers, who's oh. going to be on Team USA. Yeah. So to ride in him with the cart for uh, 18 holes, that's, I mean, that's the good stuff, right? It's really good. Come together, start to mind meld what's important to him how his daily preparation is i you know try and empower the player so i got a chance to sit with him you you know you get to see a lot of people you don't you don't see a ton throughout the course of the year that's the best part it's the best part of it and then you wonder how all these guys are going to spend all this money <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a good segue it's a perfect <laughs> like it perfectly set up where we're going today because we're going to talk a little bit about team usa we get the manager of team usa here but uh let's talk money let's yeah. talk players because we've had some stuff happening like how can we not start with aaron judge um 360 million for and nine had, years and had more on the table Right. Uh, that's a really interesting aspect to this. But um, let's just start by your reaction to the Yankees uh, six months ago, nine months ago, nine months ago, yeah. offering Aaron Judge $213.5 million. And to keep him, they had to improve that offer by almost $150 million. Jason, it's funny. I remember it was right before opening day. We were about to come on the air, air and um, that deal went out. Right. The Yankees reported that deal. I'm sitting there on the set. Yeah. And I'm jotting down like, all right, average AAV 31 and a half. I'm like, they're not far off. They probably get something done here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was I wrong? Because he went out, he bet on himself. And I don't think anybody, I mean, maybe yourself watches as much baseball as we do on a nightly basis. No doubt. From start to finish. He was the best player in the sport, eliminating Otani from the pitching side. Best hitter in the sport from start to finish the entire season. With that amount of pressure on him, with a team that struggled to score runs on a nightly basis if he didn't produce, it was one of the all-time bet-on-yourself yes. seasons I've ever seen. One of? Number one. Yeah. And and the defense playing center field, controlling the strike zone, running the bases, kissing babies, everything <laughs> that had to come along with it for him to nail it. And I like the fact he's staying. Maybe that, that's that, the little old school in me. 
I mean, you could tell me different. We've seen usually when these big free agents get out on the market, they do not go back. I'm a big legacy guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I I didn't have the opportunity to stay in one place. I was a journeyman (laughs) bouncing all over, but I played with Chipper Jones. I I saw what that meant to him um, to play one uniform, the Craig Biggio's of the world, like that legacy. You're surrounded by a lot of guys like that. Um, That was really his choice. Like money was involved. We'll get to that part. But his choice was, do I want to be Mickey Mantle or do I want to be Mark DeRosa? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Do I want to go from place to place and have that be how my career ends and how it's defined? And I don't think if you polled everybody, I think people would be shocked. The whole like allure of going back to where you grew up to play, I don't think is a strong pull for a lot of guys. Just got finished talking to Doug about that same thing. Harder I, than it. It un- overrated. Completely overrated. More ick and minutia that you'd have to deal with on, <laughs> a, on a daily basis. Correct. Tickets, ants, everyone coming out of the woodwork, and rightfully so, on a nightly basis to play in your hometown. I almost feel like you got to live two different lives as a ball player you disappear into kind of obscurity and anonymity playing in your city away from everything and then you get to come home for the holidays and enjoy the family <laughs> and let's get out of there yeah uh like that that little seed of him coming home for thanksgiving yeah. and oh by the way i might talk to the team that's up the road here <laughs> it was great free agent theater and i lo- always love that aspect of it but i mean let's talk about what his options were because let's think about it he had the opportunity to leave. He could have left. Um, I, I'm never 100% sure that what we hear about the offers that were made is all the way accurate. Yeah. But it's obvious the Giants had an offer on the table that was comparable to what the Yankees signed him for and clearly expressed a willingness, from what I understand, to go beyond. The Padres, I don't know if they ever technically made that offer of 10 years, $400 million, which is what's going around here, but obviously they made it clear to him they were prepared to hang out in that neighborhood. So he had the option to do that with either of those teams. Yeah. Why did he not take that option? You know, I think at the end of the day, get, try and get inside his mind a little bit. Like we talked about, the whole legacy thing. He's going to have a monument in Monument Park. Now he is. 99 is going to be retired. He's going to get named the captain of the Yankees. He's going to get to live every kid's dream. Not, not to say, I played in San Francisco. That's one of the best organizations in the game. And when they smell blood like they want to get back to winning, kind of revitalize it a little bit, they have, obviously, the necessary funds to get that done. So I wouldn't have been totally shocked if he took the money and went to San Francisco. I just feel... For me, it's always been about maybe this is just being lucky enough in my career to come up with the Atlanta Braves. We buttoned our jerseys. I watched those guys in the clubhouse when I got called up, button their jerseys, and it's like, we're winning three of four. <laughs> this series is right. ours. Two of three, three of four, at worst, split. And when you start to like play in that sandbox where you're going October every year, that you have to – you want to win. He chose that. He did. He did. And he's going to have the best opportunity to win year to year right now in the future with the New York Yankees and what they're doing, as opposed to going and starting that 
kind of Bryce Harper in Philly, big piece. Here we come. Boom. Right. You're the pillar. Yeah. And we'll start working around it. Yeah. So was he s- serious, ever serious about leaving? Did he seriously think yeah. about leaving? No doubt. I'm I think you. he wanted to hold the Yankees' feet to the fire a little bit. I love the fact that he said, you are not getting last and final offer or best and final we're not coming back to you with, with what these other teams are giving us. Make your best pitch to me. You know what I mean to that team. I mean, I watched it all year. Yeah. They're not a playoff team without him, in my not, opinion. Not close. They struggle to get in. Yeah. Hey, hey, just look what happened to them in October when he struggled. They, oh, they know that. They yeah. know that. And there's, they, they will do more. Carlos Rodon, come on down. You'll see that <laughs> real soon. But you know what was really interesting to me is the mindset of the Yankees when this process began versus what led them to go 9-360. They were very confident going in, he'd come back. They just needed to go through this little process, this little show, and then he'd come back and – Guys at his age, they never get eight, nine, ten years. That yeah. never happens. What happened in the end? I, I honestly think by yesterday they were worried. Oh, he no doubt. Had their attention to the point where they looked at it and said, "Like we're already into crazy territory anyway. Eight, eight times forty is yeah. crazy. So what's the difference between eight times forty and nine times forty? It's exactly how they processed Garrett Cole." Um, we want the player, whatever. It's nuts, but we're going to do it. I, I think the same thing happened. He got them to take the other team seriously, and I didn't know that that was going to happen. You know, it's funny. I don't think these two things necessarily matter, but certainly seeing Trey Turner drop an 11-year deal, his age 30 to 40, see, 40 years old season, had to be like, whoa, if they're handing that – they're handing that out like we're going to have to go a little bit farther here. I I would say in my conversations with Aaron Boone, who's a, a good buddy of mine, they were very – he was very cautiously optimistic. I think he was well aware that the, the option of him leaving was on the table. He's been a free agent. No, he understands how that process no works. So – I. You know, in talking to him, he was in constant communication with Judgey throughout this entire process. But I think last night there was some tense moments before they got this done. I guarantee it. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> yeah. I know it. And it got just the whole fear of it was Listen, so It's about leverage, Jason. Who had more leverage than Aaron Judge coming into this free agent I, negotiation? I know. And then and really. And, and, you know, again, we, like we were joking about the scene when he went to San Francisco in Thanksgiving and a little uh, TikTok video that showed up of him walking <laughs> through the lobby and him going to visit family. But like the stuff that seeps out along the way. Oh, look at that. He's in San Diego at the winter meetings after he was just at Monday night football. Yep. Um, oh, look, the, the Giants offer just somehow leaked out. That is part of the theater and part of the process. It all worked. It all worked. It, it all did. worked. Listen, he's he's. Otani's the unicorn in the game, but Aaron Judge is is like nothing we've ever seen before. Like yeah. six foot seven playing center field. I know you want to push him to the corner now with Harrison Bader, but he's he's 
an above average center fielder. It's yeah. like when Magic Johnson took over as point guard at the Lakers for the first time. We had never seen a guy that tall be able to handle the ball and do those types of things. So right. that's been the beauty of watching him like progress throughout the course of his career to be able to make that frame so athletic and to control the strike zone and get everything to sync up on time to create that kind of power. It's, it's so rare. And what he meant to the New York Yankees, I mean, I've been to that stadium. I go about five times a year when I'm up in, in Secaucus doing the show. Every kid's got 99 on their back. I saw somebody walking around today yeah, with judges 99. chambers. Yeah. No, do you know, they don't do those things. <laughs> <laughs> so he had them. Yeah. I, I love exactly. the fact that he's going back. I'm into the whole, like, I'm an East Coast guy, so obviously, you know, I imagined as a kid living in a high rise in the city and coming down this secret tunnel. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm, I'm hitting in Yankee Stadium with 50,000 going crazy. And yeah. he's getting to live that. Yeah, exactly right. All right. I did, with this, did this with Glanville. Yeah, you right. played you had a wonderful career in the big leagues. You made twenty nine billion dollars in your whole career. He'll, he'll top that by Labor Day. Is that unbelievable? <laughs> and I live a pretty damn good life. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. We don't want to spend the whole uh, t- time on him. Uh, you mentioned Trey Turner. Yeah. Eleven years, three hundred million from the Phillies. Y- your thoughts on on that deal and what the Phillies are doing? Well, first off, love the fact that Dave Dombrowski is a, a wildcat man. When, he's, <laughs> when he he wants somebody, he goes and gets him. Star right, Hunter. and I liked what he said. I read an article uh, recently on MLB.com. He said, star players win. Yeah. Listen, I was a utility guy and kind of like a mesh player and kind of my little piece to the puzzle. I think we're important too, but you have to have the big dogs. It's no different than your little league team. I tell everyone <laughs> that. All the guys on the <laughs> roster know who the guys are, yeah. right? It doesn't change. You need those guys in the big leagues. Um. I thought Trey Turner, if I was a GM at these winter meetings, he would have been my number one priority because he doesn't have to hit on a nightly basis to impact games. Premium defender, elite base runner, um, doesn't have to drive the ball to get on base, can lay that, can play every game you need him to play. And okay? a, a time when the rules are changing and like flow right into his skill set. Yes. And he's versatile. If you ever had to move him, he's proven he could play center, second, third. I've talked to him. He's going to be on a WBC team. He's like, hey, if you need me to shoot over to third base, I got it. Like, no big deal. So I just thought, val- I, you know, you always look for value all over the place. What he's able to do is is kind of unmatched in, by only a few guys in the game. So he fits perfectly into that he, line. He does. And they made it clear to him from day one at the GM meetings. Yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking about this. Has there ever been a GM in the modern history of our sport who's acquired more stars than Dave Dombrowski? He's so good at knowing how to do it. He's so good at t- convincing his owner. We need this right. guy he's to win. Right. And so this he's worth the price. It's what happened again. He's been right on pretty He's much right. He's nine right. out of 10 of them. Right. And Castellanos, I do believe will have a better year, but he went out JT real Muto, Bryce Harper, Schwarber, Zach Wheeler. They're all, yeah, they're not all his. They're all the superstars, but they're, they're right. I, I wrote this yesterday. They're not all famous for being famous. 
<laughs> that's not why they're stars. Yeah. They're stars because they're team changers. Yeah, they're great players. They're great players. So, they have some and, and what Trey Turner does to that lineup, he gets Reese Hoskins out of that two slot. I think Reese is yeah. more of an RBI guy. Take a little heat off him. He pushes Bryson Stott trying to play shortstop every day in the big leagues, which I think he could. Take a little heat off him. Let's push him over to second base. Don't think as much. He just he makes that team so much better. Right. So and then so, the Taiwan Walker deal, a little depth in the uh in the rotation. You nice know they're piece. the you know they're the only team in baseball that has three starting pitchers who have each pitched 150 innings or more the last two years. Now there's no guarantee they'll do it again. Yeah. But yeah, that's obviously what they're thinking. So let's think about the NL East, where the Mets do the wave goodbye to Jake DeGrom, but bring in Justin Verlander shuffle. Uh, the Braves have done some stuff. They're not done. Do you think the Phillies in win-now-go-for-it mode wow. have passed either of those two teams that won 100 each last year? I can make the argument they're one. I still will lean towards the Atlanta Braves. I, I would, too. Depth, But I would put Philly Philly a close second. And, and I'm a little concerned about the Mets and what they're doing. I think it remains to be seen. I, I, I want to see. You know, I think... Some of the guys walking out the door are tough to replace if they don't bring back a Brandon Nimmo. I don't know what they do necessarily. You're asking two 40-year-olds to anchor your rotation for an entire season. I mean, we saw it this year. I mean, to expect Justin Verlander to come back and win another Cy Young, I think, is a little tough. You know his last three healthy seasons oh, are Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, Cy Young, up. <laughs> Pretty good. I, I mean, they bet on a. They bet they on the guy. They need bullpen. They need a lot. They need, they need a lot of stuff. Talking a bit. Talking to Buck yesterday, and like their their shopping list is long. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing the uh, the owner likes to write checks. Um, Bass, it was tough. It will be a tough loss. Really tough loss. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's no doubt. Um, they made a choice. Justin Verlander for two years turning forty versus five years for Jacob Degrom turning thirty five. Did they make the right bet? You know, it's. I was talking about this. Sometimes you can trick people into loving you or not loving you. I said, if Jacob deGrom approached his craft the way Max Scherzer does, but the same stuff happened, would there be this? <laughs> I, I think he would be back with the Mets. I think they would have went after him harder. I just feel like the Mets got to a point where is he is he willing to fight? Is he will it like are these all all these injuries like I don't want to say legit. That's not right. fair. You'll but, never know. But like the the want to be a Met, the fight to to get out on that mound and anchor our rotation and yeah. show Max Scherzer that you're the number two and I'm the one and this is my yeah. I don't think he ever got that sense. Right. And I think it was easy because to lose the he is when he's healthy, Jason, you know this. He's the best pitcher in the game. No one hits him. No. So for his the fans not to be up in arms with him walking out the door, kind of like perceptions reality a little bit. Now I don't know him. I'd love to have him on my team. Bruce Bochy's gonna love having him on the team. But sometimes I feel like we get caught up in the machismo of of, <laughs> of the player and instead of hey, maybe this guy's been nicked up and Maybe he'll continue to be, or maybe maybe he he gets right down in Texas. You know, I I mean, I I I talked to Boach about it just the other day, and they're gambling. They know it, but when you gamble on the guy with the most talent of anybody, 
it's easy to convince yourself it's worth it would have been hard for me to let him leave now i don't know if i would have went to what the number texas did and i don't know if he would have come back for a little bit less but i would rather have jacob Degrom than verlander you would that, that would that would be me interesting but i mean i you know i've been talking to Justin for 10 years yeah. about the stuff he thinks he can do that nobody else has ever done. And he's driven to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, you just talked about the perception of Jacob deGrom. I, I, there's a perception of Justin Verlander as being that driven, and he's going to find a way to will himself to do it. And the Mets, I mean, they bought that. Um, they've lived. Reunited with his old teammate. Correct. Uh, I just feel like when DeGrom's pitching, he's basically throwing a simulated BP <laughs> on a backfield in Port St. Lucie. No one, no, no one squares him up. It's they, pure luck, right? Never. It's pure somebody runs into one. Yeah. That's the game. Right. Um, I do want to ask you about Team USA, but we've yeah. still got – it's funny. We thought we'd come here and watch those shortstops tick off the board, and that hasn't happened. What do you think – what, what's your feel for especially Correa, Bogarts, and then Dansby? You know, I'll, I'll start with Dansby because I live in Atlanta for the last 20-plus years. To watch Freddie Freeman walk out the door, I never thought I'd see today. And I, I still believe the Braves are worse off for letting him walk out. think Matt Olson's a great player, but Freddie was a legacy player. He was Dale Murphy. He was Chipper Jones. That's who he was. Yes, sir. Those kids in that city. And to watch him leave, I didn't think that would be the case. I don't necessarily feel like Dansby's on that level, but I feel like he's the kind of glue to this new regime of Atlanta Braves. No doubt. I don't believe they have his replacement yet. I mean, I know we're reading a lot about Vaughn Grissom, but man, be a drop off in many ways, be a drop off. So I don't understand why that one's not already done. I think paid everyone else. They paid everyone else. (laughs) And I, I think in so many ways that it's the same choice that Dansby has to make that Freddie had to make, which yeah. is, do you want to be an Atlanta brave? Is that just what you want? Or do you want to get paid what you think you're worth? If you, if that's what you want, that I think there's, there's a couple essentially teams out saying, there. And aren't they essentially saying the Braves, the same thing? It won't be here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- they are holding his feet to the fire, no yeah. doubt. But I think he's got Cubbies. I think he's got Dodgers if he wants them. I think there's opportunities. Dansby's one of those players that you got to watch for 162 games every night for him to like fall, truly fall in love. He posts. Yeah. Power. The defense doesn't quit. You know exactly who's walking in the door every day. He checks a lot, a lot of boxes. So for yeah. me. I'd be sad if, if if Atlanta doesn't bring him back. Yeah, he'd lose a void. Right, do you have a, do you have a quick feel for Bogarts and Craig? All right, well, I don't quick feel. <laughs> no, no team frustrating me more right now in the entire big leagues than the Boston Red Sox. Right, I don't know how or why or what they're operating on. Like they're the they're big fish. Like why is Devers and Bogarts not done, and we're signing like monster starters and Bogarts can still go back there. I is my read, but I'd be shocked again. I, what do you what do you okay do you I, look for in a player? Yeah. Uh, he, I, he checks it all, right? I, I I honestly don't understand how it got to this point, but it did. And I I, I love Heim and I uh, I have great respect for how he thinks and just everything about him. But 
I, I've seen other GMs who fall into this category where they begin to look at every move like it's an equity exchange. Yep. And I don't think our sport works that way. Right? And I think you're going to finish second a lot doing that because somebody's going to overpay. Always. Texas Rangers, Philadelphia, yeah. somebody's going to go get their man. Right. Um, yeah, I completely not understanding like I, I i use the poker analogy just i feel like there's certain teams in a league that have a lot of chips and if you've ever played poker the guy who has the most chips at the table is the bully he can kind of bully everybody around the red sox have many chips but don't they, play them but they play like they don't have any i know they're playing like the tampa bay rays they're check raising you <laughs> like no like here all in let's see where you're do you at. think new england's noticed at all <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just they you got Devers is one of the best young hitters in the game. You're going to let him skate to free agency at 26, 27. He's you're not. I don't think you're going to be in the in the ballpark of what he could command. Make the move to bring Bogarts back. Get his best uh, friend in the mix. Maybe he takes a little less. Uh, start. I hope that. I honestly hope that happens. Yeah. Might not, but I honestly Baltimore's hope Baltimore's coming. Toronto's he, getting better. Yankees are are determined to be better. The Rays are going nowhere with their rotation. You want to be a last place team? I don't think they do. You're the Boston <laughs> Red Sox. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Team right. USA. Talking about uh, loaded rosters. Jeez. Every single position player on your roster right now is a former All-Star. Yeah. How did you do that? I didn't do it. Tony Regans did it. He's the GM. I was looking at the all MLB. I did the all MLB show the other night. I was like, yep, he's on it. He's on it. <laughs> Mike Trout is the, is the big fish. How did you right? get Mike Trout to do this? That's been a, I know that's been a source of frustration I, within the sport that he hasn't played in yeah. WBC before and I, now. You know, he's, he's aware of everything, right? So I t I've talked to him quite a bit throughout this process. He said that he chose not to do it in 2017 for whatever reasons. And he said he watched it and it kind of upset him that he wasn't there. Wow. And he said, when it rolls back around again, I want to do it because if it's coming every three years, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be wanting to do it a little bit later in my career. This is the perfect opportunity for me to be the guy. So he was kind of the first one to sign up. And once he did that, he's been our biggest recruiter. Is so that he right? Called, he called Harper and said, Hey, if I'm going to do this, you know, our careers have kind of been linked. I want you to be a part of it with me. So Harper joined. Can't play. Can't but, play because right. of Tommy John. Right. So we get Schwarber. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, you have to get by with the home run champ. <laughs> And then Harper, Mookie Betts wanted to play with those two. Wow. And it just kind of goes down the track, right? I, have you had any fun recruiting tales that you've done? Because you, you have know, a lot I, of good yeah, relationships. Yeah, I've tried. I, to be honest with you, because I'm so new to this, I've tried to lay back to not ruffle the feathers of teams that maybe are against letting their guys come. I get it. Yeah, 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 I know. It's Jim Leland, I talked to him. First time when I got the gig, I called Jim. I said, take me through it. You lived it. <laughs> I want to pick your brain on everything. He said, you have two objectives, right? Is to make them come together as a team, play hard for you. And number two is to return them back to their parent club healthy. That's correct. He, and he goes, one person or two people will get hurt. Like, it's just 
they do in spring training. It's just part of it. I say that all the time. He goes, you're going to feel terrible. But it's going to happen. So you can understand the reluctance of some of these teams wanting to give us their best pitching. Right? I mean, we shot for the moon. I want DeGrom. Like, I wanted uh, Verlander. I, I wanted the game's great. Right? Course. But you understand, especially Justin. Talk to him. He's like, coming off Cy Young Award. I pitched to the last out of the World Series. I'm 40 years old. I, I'm signing a new deal with a new team. I, I just can't justify it. Yeah. Totally understand. But for a lot of guys, I feel like an opportunity to just get in this locker room. You played. Oh. You you, you were the, and it was, the very first one? Is that right? Oh, nine, the second the second one. one. And it was and one of the highlights of my career. I remember you there. I, you hit a home run, right? What was your home run? I played well. Um it's, it's, it's funny because I went in as kind of the backup. Next thing you know, Davey Johnson's playing me every day, and that kind of <laughs> led to me signing with the Nationals and all playing right. for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I played all over a left first. I started the semifinal game against Japan at first base. I'm like, what am I doing over wow. here? Uh, hit well, played well. But just to be – I didn't even – I don't know what I hit. But I know my BP group was David Wright, Derek Jeter, Jimmy Rollins – and me awesome so i was like what the hell am i doing in this batting practice group so the whole experience for me was just unbelievable and i think everybody who walks away buster posey just recently moved in by me in atlanta and we were playing golf and he's like hey congratulations on team usa he goes it was the best time in my life everybody says it everybody says it so uh, all you need to do is make that happen. My uh, best recruiting real quick would it was an easy one. It was Wayne Wright. He he <laughs> sent me he sent me a text and he's got this picture on social media the, the, where he painted he painted the flag on his face. <laughs> what a beauty. <laughs> and he sent me that. He's basically like, it's go time. And then Lance Lynn FaceTimed me on a dare from his high school buddies. <laughs> Around it, because I had never talked to him around a campfire. They were hunting in like Mississippi. And he said, my friends said I wouldn't. He goes, I need to be on this team. So there's been there's been cool interactions with the guys so far. And one more big star. You got Ken Griffey Jr. as your hitting coach. Uh, How did that come about and how into it is he? Again, Tony Regan's put all this together. And then I kind of just assimilated into it. Yeah, I've talked to Griff once um, for about three hours. On a, on a staff Zoom call, he is, he's like really excited to be a part of it. He played in the first one. So that that's the other thing. A lot of the guys on the staff have done it. So for a lot of us, we realize how important Paul Goldschmidt, Arenado, Goldie didn't even get to play that much in 17. Leland went with Hosmer. I know, And right? that didn't sour his like want. I talked to him. He's like, whatever you need me to do. Well, I need you to be the NL MVP and hit jacks and carry I remember us. Rollins felt the same way uh, backing up Cheater. Like, yeah. It's friggin' Derek Cheater. I didn't get it. <laughs> I so, didn't get it. Griffey. And two, two additions that people don't totally know about is I told Tony Regan's like, I know a lot of the staff was picked before I got named manager. I need two guys that kind of are my guys, like take a bullet for me kind of guys. (laughs) So I'm going to bring Michael Young from the Texas Rangers, who I played with, who's going to help Griff with the hitting. Yep. And Brian McCann, my, my, I mean, my best boy, (laughs) who's going to help with Will Smith and Real Muto and Kyle Higashioka is going to be the third catcher and kind of game planning because 
We're going to try and win this thing, Jason. Yeah. I'm not going you, in you, just like throwing you, out balls and seeing what happens. You're going to have some fun. Just don't yeah. screw it up, okay? <laughs> That's all I can do. <laughs> no, it's not. You can have the, the memory of a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more thing of this. Is this the last time we're going to see Mark DeRosa managing? The only time? I, I or I is there? Rule, I wouldn't rule it out, but I'm. one of the first questions Tony Regan's asked me in the interview process is, are you scratching an itch? And my answer is no. My answer is no. I'm not looking at it as a, as kind of a jumping off point to getting, you know, doing the home manage. If it, if it presents itself and the opportunity is right, you're open to it. Definitely be open to it, but it's not something I'm like pining to go knock on sweet doors (laughs) and figure it out. You haven't knocked on a single sweet door. I haven't. I've stayed out of there. Good to know. All right. Well, the most important final question is what'd you have for breakfast? (laughs) I went down. I I met Kevin Millar and Mike Sweeney for breakfast downstairs. And I had ham and cheese omelet, a little bit of onion, two pieces of cinnamon toast, and a couple, couple cups of coffee. For those who don't know, that's my question. Mark DeRosa on MLB Central <laughs> is obsessed with breakfast. What, what, what's that all about? I feel like it's the most important meal of the day, and I'm always blown away that people like don't eat it. Yeah. How do you like not pass out by eleven o'clock? I'm with you. I love breakfast. Right? And then you can light eat the rest of the day. Pick and then a nice dinner. Okay, there you go. This is how you go through the food pyramid <laughs> and manage Team USA. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I know you got to go surfing or whatever you got to do today, but uh, <laughs> that won't be it. No, me, me neither. I can, think some, I can think of some other stuff to do here at the winter meetings, but he's the best, man. Mark DeRosa, MLB Network, MLB Central, manager of Team USA and the World Baseball Classic. Let's go. Stop by Starkville, Western White House. Honestly, love working with you. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network. You're there to look for jobs. You're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation all through a barely-there poke-hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash theathletic. 
This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. As we were saying last week, it's now the off-season, so this is not the strange but true segment of the show. Instead, this has become the dugout segment of the show. We head down to the dugout, and we ask our friend Doug Glanville to tell one of his many classic stories about life and baseball. So Doug rejoins us from a place known as um, not San Diego. (laughs) (laughs) Doug, what's your little fireside talk about this week? Um, Is there any chance it has something to do with the winter meetings? Yeah, I think it's um, something I've mentioned and told in different ways or different versions, but I think to bring it together around the winter meetings uh, makes, takes me back to the off season of 2002. And as I've told many times, my father passed away the last game of the 2002 season. And after we buried him with my thousandth hit of my career and kind of took a month off and I met with Ed Wade uh, and just talked talk about the my frustrations with Yes, Ed Wade, general manager of the Phillies at the time, and uh, expressed a lot of frustrations with the season and the things that I was going through, Um, my desire to be an everyday player, but knowing that the Marlon Bird era was probably going to start, and uh, I was kind of considering like whether I should, you know, go to greener pastures, Uh, but also just the, the the challenge of just trying to find something new, given that uh, I lost my dad and and you know, his poetic voice was no longer with us. So I was kind of looking for some new frontiers. So that winter meetings was significant to me because that was when I, you know, entered free agency and had my chance to finally choose my employer. And it was very tough because I didn't have a great season. I I ended okay, but I didn't have the season that I'd had the previous. So I was building off of of what could be a fourth outfielder, but I was looking for that starting job. And so let me just just make this clear now. So, the winter meetings were in progress. Uh, you were you didn't you weren't in you weren't at the meetings in no, person. So, your your correct. agent was at the meetings talking to Rangers, Phillies, teams that were interested in signing Doug Tampa. Lampa, correct? Yes, and right. And, and I okay. believe they were in Florida that year, and um, and I elected to kind of go away to Florida or on a vacation. And and when I flew back. Uh, I landed at the same gate that the Phillies personnel was about to leave. So, so this is pre, wow. you know, pre meeting. And yeah, so <laughs> I get off the plane and it's like one of those moments of like, your eyes are focusing. Wait a minute. That's Ed Wade and Larry Boa. Like what, what's going on. Right. Uh, but I just remember uh, that, you know, just talking to, to Bo, Larry Boa, there was, there was sort of this unspoken tension because it's like, I, you know, we had a tough season. He, they're trying to do better, and I'm a free agent, and I'm not really jumping at the idea of coming back. I was, you know, very disoriented with the loss of my dad, and uh, and I knew I was going to sit on it. But I think that moment at the gate was the, the clarity that I needed to be like, I really want to explore somewhere else. You know, I may be back here, I don't know, but I want to at least really engage. On, Wait, on well, what what was it about? See- yeah, what was it about seeing them? in the airport that brought that home i think well i think it's it's the sense of home right it's it's like something was so different about me when i lost my father 
And I think the thing that was different is about, it's like the alchemist, right? I want to go and explore my personal legend, right? That's what they talk about. I, I think I felt like I needed to do that away from the hometown kid kind of thing, you know, University of Pennsylvania, Philly, you know, there was something about, uh, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable and trying something new. I think that was the moment. This everybody there was familiar. I mean, Bo was familiar with my childhood, right? So, so I just felt like it was time. And I think that also what I needed for me, uh, with my father gone, was a certain level of sensitivity that I was looking for in the new opportunity, right? It just a, uh, I wanted to front. Uh, it, it didn't matter if I was like in Alaska, right? It was just like I needed. It was like a getaway, and. Um, and I didn't verbalize that per se in talking to Boa, uh, but I know that you know there was still a tension because once again I was feeling the remnants of the how that season ended, and, and so you know looking into the post post you know that, that off season, uh, I had that new lens. And Larry, I remember Gary Maddox could sense that I was leaning to Texas or somewhere else at, at some point, try to take me out in, the, in Philly and say, "Look, the people love you." I was like, it was it was just time and. Um, and so I did. I, I did leave. And, and I think the the memories around that was just sort of how the winter meetings set off that first experience of, you know, being a free agent. And it wasn't like my phone was blowing up, but I had at least a few <laughs> offers to consider. And the decision I made was to, to leave home, quite frankly. And um, I didn't know if I was right or wrong or, you know, what was going to happen. I just felt like I took less money. I took, I just said, you know, a little and judge. I'm going to bet on myself and see what happens. Uh, unfortunately, I got hurt in April, but when I did come back, I had one of the best Julys, I think the best July of my career, and which got me traded to the Cubs. And that was my only playoff appearance in my entire major league career. You so in some ways, yeah, I hit the triple. And <laughs> in some ways, like I never would have known where it took me or where it would take me, but uh, that ended up being a, something I would never want to uh, forget. And, and as a result, that was because of that decision I made to go somewhere else. You, you know, there really is that aspect to free agency that we don't think about uh, sometimes when we're just watching from afar, which is the opportunity to hit the reset button. I mean, you just mentioned Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge had the opportunity to hit the reset button and chose not to hit it. Uh, it's really interesting to hear you verbalize all the reasons that you knew it was time to go down that road. Um, so that, that's, yeah. a, like, that's a really fascinating aspect of free agency. And it's personal. It's, it's not business. It's not baseball. It, it, it's, a, it's a human being making a decision about his real life. Yeah, and Jay, the thing is, I look, I look at Aaron Judge, and I think if there's one thing better than leaving going somewhere else, getting paid for it and proving someone wrong, uh, that's you know, there's a good feeling in the egocentric nature of like pro athletes, right? You're like, yeah, okay, you didn't pay me. I'm going to do this. And it's, it's something sweet about leaving and doing it. But what's sweeter than that is not having to leave and doing it. It's like betting on yourself and getting more money and staying. I mean, that is like the ultimate, like full circle of like, I'm leaving and you better come get me or I'm gone. <laughs> and now you got to pay me more. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I, here's the thing about, it, it's hard to say this at different times, but playing at home is kind of overrated. It's, it is, it's overrated. The hometown thing is uh, sure. I get it. I grew up a Phillies fan, but that, 
that's cool. I'm not sp- speaking specifically, but there's a lot of stress that comes with that. If he's in San Francisco and all these things, like you're leaving tickets for like your dog walker when you were three or something. Like, it's just <laughs> like, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, and the self-centeredness and the focus that comes with being these athletes sometimes lends itself to not being home, actually, not actually dealing with that and being, I love going to Montreal, right? I was like, there's one reporter here. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to think about anything. So um, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that New York was familiar for him. And, and for me, I was at a time where I wanted unfamiliar. I needed to start a new journey. And, uh, you know, I'd already made the safer decision. Okay, I'm going to be home. I'll sign with the Phillies. I'm not going to negotiate that hard. da 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 and then I was felt kind of insulted by how 2002 ended with my dad passing away and not getting benched and, and then, and hitting, you know, being one of the hottest hitters on the team the last six weeks of the season and baffled why I wasn't starting and, you know, going, you know, talking to Ed Wade and saying, I, I sat against Andy Bennis and I could, for whatever reason, I hit him as well as anybody. And how do you sit? You know, I was just out of my mind. And I think all of that came down to let me, let me leave to find home again. And, uh, right. and, um, and sometimes you do that without take, considering even the economics. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you about one more aspect of being a free agent whose fate is being determined at the winter meetings, because that's the case here for hundreds of human beings. Uh, what's it like to know the winter meetings are in progress? Your agent is trying to find you a home and you're trying to follow these meetings from afar. Scary, you know, because for for me, uh, you know, my agent was Arn Hellum. He's updating you, and I'm getting some information, but you don't know really what's going on. I mean, the way I was is I was practical about it. Fortunately, by the time I got to this point, I had you know decent career. I was like, well, if nobody calls, you know, uh, you know, I could do something else. So there was definitely off seasons. Remember HOK Sport? You know, they did the architecture, the camera yards. Uh, I was very familiar with transit-oriented development, you know, engineering. And I called them and I talked to people at different architectural firms that did stadium design around transportation. And I was always open to just in case I didn't get that phone call or it was something that I didn't want to do, go back to double A or whatever. So, <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I think, you know, you, you sit by the phone. And it, what's scary is as time goes on and you're not exactly our judge, you know, you're kind of interchangeable, you're, you're fungible. And you're like, well, if they don't sign me, they could go get, you know, whatever, Chris Singleton, same kind of player, you know, whatever. So I think that that is scary as well, because you just don't know what goodwill you have. I know the Phillies, David Montgomery, had a lot of relationships there. And I think that they would have tried to give me an opportunity, but I just, nobody knows. So I think as time goes on and you get closer to the end, you're afraid like Craig Kimbrell, you could be that good and not sign. And all of a sudden it changes your whole career. So I think you, um, I know, I know that that is really hard and I was traded when my grandfather passed away as well. So you, you just know that your life goes on. It's not stopping even when you're waiting for this opportunity. Yeah. And sometimes that, that pressure gets really, really heavy. Yeah. So true. Um, you know, sometime, some of you at the winter meetings, uh, like I'll have to have my own dugout and tell you about what my life is like at the winter meetings. It was so interesting yeah. to really hear your perspective on what it was like to be a player uh, on the other end of the whole winter meetings hub. Uh, but we forget this is we're connecting the dots 
from every transaction to a real person in their real life. <laughs> and it, yeah. and the, the, it, it's more than just how, how are we going to fill out our roster? You know, there, there are real people affected by every decision and you were one of them. So thanks for sharing that, my friend. And thanks for not joining me here in San Diego. <laughs> but I'm glad through the magic of technology, we could still loop you into Starkville. And that is going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all off season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety, absolutely free, everywhere that you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read any of the amazing coverage in The Athletic of Aaron Judge, the winter meetings, uh, or just a whole crazy hot stove, I can tell you how to do that. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show. And if you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe for $2 a month for the next 12 months. Also remember that you too can be part of this podcast because every show, except not this show, uh, we pick a really fun listener trivia question. And then that listener gets to join us on the show and ask us his or her fun question just to prove once again that there is no trivia question we can't get wrong. So to do that, we have multiple options for you. You can email us at Phil at theathletic.com or apparently Twitter's still going. It's still in business. <laughs> and you, assuming that's still true the next time we do <laughs> trivia, here's how you can reach us. Uh, Doug Glanville is on Twitter. Doug, you're still on Twitter, right? Where would somebody find you if you're still on Twitter? Well, I am still in the solar system, thankfully. So I would say at Doug Glanville. Very, very, very exciting. D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. And that's it. Yeah, I hope Twitter continues to exist just so Doug can spell his name on every show. Yes. Uh, you don't have to spell my whole name because I am at Jason S-T, J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. Uh, please remember to hashtag those questions, hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Mark DeRosa for visiting me, but not Doug. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us and coming out here with me to the Starkville Western White House. And thanks to you all for listening. Doug and I will see you soon on Starkville. Starkville.